the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The book of Micah chapter 7 starts with Woe is me. Uh, Micah was working with some people that were not listening, would not listen, and would not repent and return to God. I pray we will not be like that. I pray our hearts are tender toward the things of God and the ways of God. And when he speaks, we listen and we respond. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And it's our joy. We're going to finish up the book of Micah today. And uh, it's been a great study. I've enjoyed it, especially chapter 5 and chapter 6. I thought, well, with those great verses about Bethlehem and about living justly and merciful and humbly with your God, that chapter 7 would might be a letdown. But I think you'll be surprised. I think Micah closes it out uh, just saying God's promises are real. Alex, Mm. uh, it's been a joy to be through Micah. I appreciate you choosing this uh, book again, brother. Well, you know, thank you, Bert, and welcome to the program, everybody. Bert and I are just very honored to be with you again in the Word of God. You know, Micah, I do think is one of those Old Testament books that maybe we sort of were flipping through the pages and it rushes past, but yet it is so rich, as you alluded to. And in chapter 7, there there are several just really special verses, and I think about verse 9 where he says, I will see the Lord in his righteousness, I, I will behold his righteousness. Verse 18 that I want to mention, uh, Micah seven eighteen. who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love, Micah seven eighteen. Now, the remnant of his possession, even in a time of backsliddenness and sin, like we've said, there is that remnant. And Folks, we hope you are part of God's remnant of possession, and you can become his possession by allowing him to possess your heart, and you turn to Jesus, and you'll be covered in the blood, forgiven of your sin, and secure in Jesus. Hallelujah. Alex, and let me share, if you're listening, we'll give out a phone number later that you can call us, but there's a phone number uh, if you're wondering about your salvation, am I saved? Do I, I and you or you know you need to be saved? There's our partners. Uh, it's triple eight need him, triple eight need him, and there's some people there that will talk with you and share with you and help you and uh, get it right with God and do it Amen. now, Alex. Most uh, important, most important decision you'll ever make, and yeah. Uh, you know, some people push it out of their mind. They don't really want to think about it, but it may just, they die some way, or sadly, you know, people pass away every single day, car accidents and whatnot, and uh, they're eternally uh, unprepared, and they, they leave this world not ready to meet God. And um, don't be that person. Be the one. It doesn't matter what else you omit or overlook, but do business with the Lord and make sure that you are ready to meet God, and you can be. And Bert, like you said, that number of a partner ministry where people will pray with you and listen, and they'll help you understand what salvation is. No strings attached. This is just simply to offer you spiritual help. And Bert, is that 1-800-NEED-HIM? Yes, triple eight need him or one eight hundred. Both of them, both of them. They got those both. Triple eight or eight hundred need him, and they'll talk with you. And they'll pray with you. I, I want to say this. I, I'm not trying to be funny, but it is put off your procrastination. Mm, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. Put it off. Don't. Uh, you know, do it and do it now. Don't wait for a convenient season. Don't do like Pharaoh said when it came time to get rid of the frogs. Do it tomorrow. You know, I won't know why mm. he wanted one more night with the frogs, but he did. <laughs> and uh, so don't put it off. Come to Christ and do it now. Or one of these days, you are going to utter the words, chapter 7, verse 1, woe is me. Alex, chapter 7, again, Micah is, is replying, and he's talking about the area he lives in and what's taking place. And it does sound a little familiar with us even today. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, 
And it says, Woe is me, for I am like those who gather summer fruits, like those who glean vintage grapes. There is no cluster to eat of the first ripe fruit which my soul desires. The faithful man has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net. Listen. It sounds a little bit like Noah's day when every thought was evil continually. It sounds a little bit like what Elijah felt like. I'm the only one that hadn't bowed the knee, but God had some more that had not done that. But it is true in Micah's day. Things were really rough, and there wasn't a lot of leadership, and the people, uh, they were going astray in Micah's day. There was only a remnant left, wasn't there? Well, that's true. That's true. And, you know, the imagery there, going to a vine and there's no fruit, and you desired something, it wasn't there. Uh, Verse 2 says, the goodman, sometimes the watchman, is perished out of the earth. Um, Some translations will say the day of the watchman has come, or almost come to an end. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Imagine a watchman on the city wall, very important to see danger on the horizon, to alert people. In a way, Bert, um, I would say the watchmen on our wall are supposed to be ministers, yeah. really, in pulpits preaching the gospel. Imagine that the watchmen, there aren't any more. They've perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man, his brother, with a net, that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. Now, that's a word picture in verse 3. I mean, it's one thing to do evil, but I mean... The phrase, quote, with both hands means you're diligent about doing evil. Yeah, uh, they are. And, and it is both hands, man. They're not letting, they are letting the left hand know what the right hand is doing, and they're doing evil. And listen to this list that follows that, Alex. The prince asks for gifts, the judge seeks a bride, and the great mm-hmm. man utters his evil desire. So they scheme together. Now, put those three together, and they're scheming and doing what? Notice what it says in verse 2. They lay in wait for blood, and they wait to hunt for their brother with a net. Uh, that That's a picture of, you know, just weaving a net and finding a weaker brother, and you throw it, and you capture what he has, robbing him of everything, and they scheme together. Now, Alex, when I see that word scheme together, it makes me think of Satan. We're not ignorant of his devices or his schemes. When Mm. it comes to evil, the father of lies and the father of schemes is the devil, isn't he? Well, he is. Verse 4 is really interesting. Uh, Satan is a liar, the father of lies, and you don't want to be a tool in his hand. You know, Bert, it's interesting how in a few places in God's Word, the, the followers of the Lord are compared to some sort of, of crop, you know, the wheat and the tares that, that grow together, and we are to bear fruit. Well, here in verse 4, talking about all the people, you know, the watchman is gone, there's no preacher preaching the word, uh, the leaders ask for bribes, and even just ordinary people are always up to mischief. Verse 4, the best of them is like a briar. Mm. The, and that's really a, a thorn. You know, it's not uh, a plant, it's not fruit, it's not, you know, being part of the true vine. You're just weeds and briars. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of the watchman and thy visitation comes, and now shall be their perplexity. A very interesting word there. Um, it's a word for punishment, and it's a you know, what's going on and why? That's a perplexity, isn't it? It is. Well, you know, and the the word actually in the Hebrew means confounding. And I was, before the call, I mean, before the show today, I was talking to Tim Wildman on the, on the phone. He was telling me about an article he's written for the journal coming up that you want to be on the lookout for about how, you know, just like if there's a, a business and it's prosperous, but then by the third or fourth generation, maybe kids don't know what it took to the blood, sweat, and tears, and investment to build this great thing, and it's lost because they don't know how precious it was and what it took to build it. And Tim and I were talking about how that's a lot like our country, that um, this thing, 240-plus years of freedom, liberty, 
prosperity, stability. In the scope of history, that is really an anomaly. The vast majority of people in history have lived under poverty and bondage. And we here in America have lived under opulence, but we're, we stand to lose it because we've turned away from God, and we've turned away from morality, and we have abandoned the family and values. And verse 4, talking about judgment, the, the time of being confounded, judgment comes and they don't even understand it or know why, it's lostness. And Bert, we're just about there, aren't we? We are. And, and I, verse 5 even expands on that, Alex. Notice what it says. And this really reminds me, verse 5, of living in a communistic country. When I read it, I thought, thought about it because uh, what they do, they try to turn neighbor against neighbor, and they get turned in if they are getting off the beat. Listen, do not trust in a friend. These friends, they're really not friends. And this is not talking about godly friends. This is talking about in a society. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth. You better be careful what you say. From your spouse, even. Yeah, from your spouse, because we're in a cancel culture. And if you say the wrong thing, if you send the wrong message, you're going to get it pulled off. You're going to. And again, uh, that is the world we live in. Verse 6 says, for sons dishonor fathers, daughters rises against her mother, daughters-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies are the men of his own house. That's mm. how difficult it comes. And again, uh, honestly, if you look at the communist and what they want to do, the socialists, and I'm not trying to get into politics. We're getting into what the Bible shows and condemns. Don't you think, oh, they're getting into politics on exploring the word? We do from time to time. But politics is coming into our area, the home. It's coming into our area, life and marriage, and we dare not be quiet about it. So here, uh, be careful. This is what here saying because you're uh, my, uh, Micah saying you live in that kind of world where it's hard to trust anyone, Alex. Uh, Bert, uh, I don't want to digress from Micah, but I was on the phone today with um, a journalist from Jerusalem who is a Jewish man. But he was talking about the rise of anti-Semitism, and he called me, and he, he was saying that, look, this, this affects Christians too. Uh, this affects all freedom-loving people because, look, if we totally lose our moral compass, and if we feel like it's—or the left, rather, feels like, you know, diversity, inclusion, equality, oh, except for the nation of Israel, except for the people of, of Israel, uh, look, eventually— um, when everything's getting canceled and people are getting just really shouted down if they don't agree with the narrative. He said, once they're done, just like in Germany before the rise of Hitler, once they're done persecuting the Jews, they'll come for the Christians. And you you, you remember that very famous quote. Right. Yeah. I think it was by, um, it might have been by Richard Niemoller, but he said, you know, when they went for the Lutherans, I didn't care because I wasn't a Lutheran. And they went after the Jews. I didn't care because I wasn't Jewish. Uh, but once they came for me, there was nobody else to appeal to. And my point being, folks, it's not to scare you or just be doom and gloom, but we need to pray. We need a Holy Spirit-led revival throughout our nation and world. The answer, we've, we've set it up perfectly. A time to stop. When we come back, verse 7 is waiting on us. And it is a verse of hope, even in difficult times. You don't want to go away. The best is yet to come. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for President Joe Biden. As president, he is responsible for the prosperity, well-being, and security of our country while representing freedom and democracy on the world stage. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for President Joe Biden as he leads our country. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, 
go to pausetopray.org. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but that doesn't make their opinion right. That's why Dr. Tony Evans says we need to measure what we think we know against the one who knows it all. He'll tell us more today as we spend two minutes with Tony. There is no information base. There is no knowledge base. There is no subject matter that sits outside of Jesus Christ who created all. There is no job you work that is not dependent upon something God created. There is no discovery that can be made in science that does not root back to the creative genius of Jesus Christ. So he has all knowledge of all subjects. We are in the discovery process. See, we learn things now that back in the Stone Age, as they call it, they didn't know then. It wasn't because it's there. They just didn't have the information. But he tells us that Jesus Christ, all wisdom and all knowledge is rooted in him. That means if you have any knowledge or any wisdom that disagrees with him, you're wrong, not him. What you think about it is irrelevant if it doesn't agree with what he says about it. We got Christians going around talking about, I think, I feel, this is my view, this is my opinion. God is not interested in your opinion when he is the final word on all subject matter. Learn more about what the names used to describe Jesus really mean and what they say about how he wants to relate with us. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, let us tell the world of Christ. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me, Micah 7, 7. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Great program as we're going through a a wonderful book of the Bible. Speaking of which, Bert, before we resume Micah 7, I've got to say how excited I am about the Truth for Youth Bibles. And uh, hey, like I said, I've got an event Friday night, and I called Revival Fires and Tim Todd, and I, I got a shipment of English and Spanish coming to my Friday night event, but uh, we're pretty excited about putting the hand of God in in the Word of God in the hands of young people, and it's a, a printing. Folks, the Truth For Youth Bible, the way it's printed and the look of it, kids read it, they gobble it up, and we want everybody to know about this, don't we? We do, and again, this is the 21st year we have cooperated with Tim Todd and Revival Fires for Truth For Youth Bible Week, And let me just share this with, if you're an adult and you have a young person in your household and you know they would love to give that Bible to another young person, especially a young person that needs the Lord, you can order that. Or if you want to order a large quantity, uh, they're just $2 a piece, and that way you can give them out at like you're doing Friday night at a youth gathering. And that mm-hmm. number that you want to call to order that is 800-733-4737, 1-800-733-4737, or you can go online at truthforyouth.com truthforyouth.com. Order your Bible. Do it now. And uh, they're wanting to have 65,000. They're already available. The the Bibles have already been printed, so they got 65,000 ready to be handed out as they'll ship it to you so you can give it out. So I pray that you'll do that and do it now. Well, you know, there is hope in Micah 7. We were talking about, you know, the judgment of God and the watchman uh, and, you know, Bert, i got to say this, and I, I want us to complete this chapter, but in a way, 
And and listen, I love the church. I've been in hundreds of churches, and we love those who are sacrificially serving God. But in a way, like Israel of old, over the last 40 years, we've had a problem. The watchmen on the wall were not giving the the, the call and sounding the alarm. We've had, to a degree, a preacher problem, haven't we, Bert? We have. Uh, as the pulpit goes, I'm afraid the pews do follow. And uh, pray for your pastor. If you have a pastor that is preaching the word, you uh, you have a gift from God. And uh, I, I tell pastors all the time, if you're wondering about preaching on the things that really matter in 2021, preach through the book of 1 Corinthians. And don't skip anything. Just preach yeah. it. And I guarantee you, listen, it's right there. They were exp- Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just more glorified today. We hear about it. There's more people participating, so the downward spiral is going fast. But uh, listen, it's been around a long time, issues in the church. And Paul didn't hide from them. He spoke to the issue uh, of marriage. He spoke to the issue. So did Jesus. And so... But verse 7, as you said, gives us hope. Notice this. After that diminishing of not trusting, of everything going wrong, what will I do? I will look to the Lord. Alex, I just want to say, that's what we do. Uh, Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And we're to run the race that God has set before us. No matter if it's a marathon, no matter if it's a sprint, it may be an obstacle course like we have today, but we're to run the race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. That has not changed. Amen. Amen. And and he says, you know, don't rejoice, enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. Verse 8 is really saying, hey, don't, don't rule me out just yet. Uh, don't rejoice just yet when I fall. I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. Now, verse 9 is humility. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Now, Bert, when I read verse 9, I think about the wisest, most appropriate response to the reprimands of God is to humble ourselves. I will bear the indignation of the Lord. Bert, I've done a lot of preaching in jails and prisons, and I've seen God do some amazing works. And I know even right this minute, there are probably some folks listening to us that are behind bars and uh, men and women that might be locked up right now. We think about you. Bert and I talk about you. We pray about you and pray for you. We really do. But I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and I've, I'll tell you, Bert, I've gone down to the—I know a lot of law enforcement officers. I've gone when some people have gotten in trouble, and I've tried to help them. And a lot of times when people are caught and they're beginning to face the consequences of what they've done, they deny it. Well, this is not my fault. And, you know, they—no, the wisest thing you can do when you're under the reprimand of God is to humble yourself— and say, Lord, I confess my sins, and I bear it. And uh, that's the pathway to restoration, is to admit our guilt and turn to the Lord for forgiveness. Yeah, verse 9, I have sinned against him, against God. And you've got to recognize that, and to him you turn, and he is ready to forgive. Now notice this, you can't help but notice this. Look at verse 7, it says, Therefore I will look to the Lord, and then, in the middle of verse 9, where is the Lord your God? And then, we've already talked about verse 18, who is a God like you? The whole idea is you better look to God. The problems that Micah recognizes, the problems that we have, is bigger than man can handle. You get that, Alex? Mm-hmm. This is a god size issue that we're facing when people don't know where to turn, and when they turn, they turn to the wrong thing. And so Micah lays it out, and it says in verse 11, In the day when your walls are to be built, in that day the decree shall go forth far and wide. In that day there shall come to you from Assyria, the fortified cities, from the ter- fortress of the river, from sea to sea, and mountain to mountain. Yet the land shall be desolate because of those who dwell in it and the fruit of their deeds. There's going to be a time when these people are so desperate and things are so bad, they have no one else to turn to but God. 
When I read that, I thought of Hosea and his wife, Gomer. As long as Gomer, his wife, had the opportunity to stay away from home, she stayed away. But when she was put on the slave market and she was to be, quote, given to the highest bidder, Hosea was there and he purchased her, brought her back. And he said, you're mine. And so, you know, what? what's going to happen? You're going to be left. There's no hope in anything else. There's nothing else left up your sleeve. There's nothing else that you can turn. There's no new leaf that you can turn over. You're at the final book of the uh, page of the book. And so you turn to God. I'm praying you would do that now. And a lot of mm. folks, that's when they've come to God, when they had nowhere else to go. And Amen. if you're listening today you know, and you have nowhere else to go, we pray that you're turning to Jesus. You know, uh, right now, one of the articles that's being written in medical journals and uh, mental health journals is about addiction. People are addicted to even prescription meds and illegal drugs and alcohol. And, you know, oftentimes addiction begins with some emotional uh, pain in your life. And uh, let me just say this. I just feel led that there might be somebody listening and you need deliverance. You know, we're talking about turning away from sin and coming back to the Lord, but we want you to know Jesus Christ not only can forgive your sins, and he will if you ask him, but he can set you free. Amen. And, and this is the time, as we read about the lessons from the life of ancient Israel, and they would come to God, and they'd fall away, and God would take them back. Bert, I read this quote. It said, addiction is giving up everything for one thing. Yeah. But salvation is giving up one thing for everything. Amen. So, look, whatever that thing is, it, it is not enough for you to miss out on God and God's plan for your life. It's, it's just not worth it. And so right now, just where you are, call out from your heart and say, God, I need you. And he is there, and he will set you free. There is nothing you've done he can't forgive. There is no circumstance you're in that he can't deliver you from. And so when it talks about, uh, in even in verse 11, in that day the walls are going to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed, in that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities, from the fortress even to the river, from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. Okay, all right, the walls that have fallen down can be rebuilt. Even from Assyria, they were an enemy, but from out of that, you know, life-or-death situation, God's help can come through, and we just, all of us, and I pray our nation itself, will turn to the one hope of deliverance we have, which is the Lord. Amen. And verse 14 speaks to that, Alex. Fascinating. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your heritage, who dwell solitary in a woodland in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in days of old. Shepherd your people with your staff. Alex is talking about deliverance. I just feel like we need to pray right now, so I'm going to lead mm. us in prayer. And if you're one yeah. of those addiction, uh, whatever it might be, I'm not going to start naming it because I some of you have it. It's from different areas, but we're praying. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. We're pleading the blood over those individuals who are listening right now where addictions has taken over their lives. And, Father, they're living for that next high. They're living for their next fix. I pray, God, right now that the Holy Spirit of God would come upon them, convicting mm -hmm. them of that sin that they would turn unto Jesus right here, like Micah says, the shepherd, and he wants to deliver them out of the hand of an enemy. Just like David said, I delivered the flock that was in my care from the, from the bear. I delivered it from the lion. Mm. God will deliver. He's a delivering God. And, Father, we pray for this. We believe this, and we trust it, that that deliverance is taking place right now in the hearts of those who are listening, that they would be set free. And that liberty that we talked about when we were doing the book of Galatians, that liberty that he has set us free, that we're free indeed in Christ. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In Jesus' name. Well, you know what, Bert? The book uh, goes on, and there's not a lot of time, but I want to get through some of these verses. By the way, in verse 14, 
It says, feed thy people with thy rod. You know, we think of a rod of, of judgment or reprimand or correction as being a harsh thing, but notice that it's in the care and, yes, the discipline of God that the people are fed and sustained. And so that's one of the beautiful things about the God of the Bible. Even his punishments are done out of love and redemptively. And so talks about, um, according to thy days out of the coming of the land of Egypt, I will show him marvelous things, and they know what that deliverance from Egypt was. The nations will see and be confounded. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth, and their ears shall be deaf. They will lick the dust like a serpent. And move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Now, I want you to comment on the last three verses, but the power of God leaves the watching world speechless. It does. And ultimately, his judgment and his correction is a blessed thing. Yeah, you don't want to be in that group. You want to be in that group that he is shepherd, that he is delivered. And then it tells us who this God is, this shepherd that we've been talking about, this God that we've talked about, that we look at it, verse 7. And and this is the God. Who is like him? There's no one. Now, listen to the, the things he does. Just listen. Pardoning iniquity. Passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Mm. Listen, he delights in His desire is for good for you. Regardless of what you've heard about God being a mean, horrible, no, he is a good. And in this judgment, he has mercy. Again, I refer to this quite often, and that's Rahab. When Jericho was falling and the walls were coming down, there was a woman there who put her trust in the Lord. She went out and gathered those and said, would you follow me as I follow God? They got in her house, and that house stood firm. And that is the deliverance of God, and he wants to deliver you. He will again have compassion on verse 19 and will subdue our iniquities. Now listen how he closes. You will cast all our you will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth in Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. Listen to verse nineteen, and Alex, you take it away. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Wow. Mm. Bert, I've got a little thought here, and this is so powerful, and we were talking about how God delivers people from addictions. There is a wonderful hymn called Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Do you remember that song? I do. I love that song. We used to sing it at Easter. Oh, now listen, folks. Oh for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. You know, In other words, I wish I had more than one voice. But there's a line in that song, and I didn't know what in the world it meant for years. It said, He breaks the power of canceled sin. Now here's the thing. If you've come to Jesus, according to the New Testament, your sins have been canceled out. The handwriting against you has been blotted out. But you know what? Even though your sins might be forgiven, maybe that residue of your past and memories has some sort of power or hold on you. <laughs> Over a thousand tongues to sing, the songwriter says, "He, Jesus breaks the power of canceled sin. So look, believing friend, your sins have been canceled out. Don't let them have power over you. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. He has come in to set you free and to lead you into victory. Don't let sin and Satan bring that up against you anymore. We're going to take phone calls. We'd love to hear from you. 888-589-8840. Give us a call with your Bible question. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. 
So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Woe to those who enact evil statutes and to those who constantly record unjust decisions. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. U.S. National Institutes of Health Director Francis Collins said in an interview on CNN's New Day that vaccinated parents of unvaccinated kids should be thoughtful about it and wear masks inside of their own homes, if their children are unvaccinated, of course. He said it's the best way to protect your kids. He said this even though Mr. Robinette's top COVID advisor, epidemiologist Dr. Michael Osterholm, said previously on CNN that masks people use do not work. They know what Dr. Osterholm knows, yet they push the mask nonsense for one primary reason. Control. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus says, Bless those who curse you. Nicky Cruz was born to wicked, violent parents who constantly abused him. He grew up to live a life of deep hatred and violence on the streets of Brooklyn, New York. When a preacher named David Wilkerson showed up talking to Nicky about the love of Jesus, Nicky spat on him and threatened to kill him. But Nicky couldn't resist the love of Jesus that flowed through David Wilkerson. Nicky surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and was transformed. And since then, Nicky Cruz has shared the love of Jesus Christ all over the world. That's the kind of overcoming love Jesus has for you and for your enemies. His love will enable you to love others, even those who hate you. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. A cross meant to kill is my victory. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper. You are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we're going to go to calls right now, your Bible questions. If you want to call in with a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Hey, I do want to remind you, AFR.net, the website with all the shows archived, you can re-listen. And maybe you want to download these or forward a link on to somebody, share it with somebody. That would be a good thing. One other good thing I'll remind you of is Truth for a New Generation, the National Worldview and Apologetics Conference this uh, fall. It's going to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, October 15 through 17. We're going to be talking about, now listen to this, folks, a biblical response to the woke movement, a Christian response to critical race theory. It's for all ages. The website is alexmcfarland.com. There's going to be Sandy Rios, E.W. Jackson, Miki Addison, Frank Turek, myself, a dozen speakers, Myrtle Beach, October 15 through 17. Bert, I mean, we we know of it from Tennessee, like a whole church is coming. People from all over the nation are coming because this is the time to know what we believe and how to defend what is the Christian message and really how to stand up for God and country confidently in every situation. You know, that's fulfilling what God said in Ephesians about equip the saints. That's what he called the pastors to do, the evangelists do, to equip the saints. This is an equipping uh, time and opportunity, so make the most of it. And Alex always does a great job, and listen, it's worth going just hear one or two of these people, but you're going to have more and more, so I pray that they'd go. Hey, we got callers online, so we're going to get to as many of these calls as we can. And first, right. we'll go to Arkansas and talk to Jason. Jason, welcome. Hey, how are you? Doing well today, man. What part of Arkansas are you from? Uh, Northeast. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Jason, are you there? 
I'm afraid we lost him. I don't Uh-oh. know what took Uh-oh. place. Yeah, I was okay. looking forward. Hey, we know what his question was. It was about Jesus spitting on the ground, and uh, then when he put the spittle on the man's eyes, he saw men as they is men, and it looks like tree walking. Now, Jason, I hope you're listening. That was your question. Uh, Marty had done a good job of putting it up. Alex, um, that was an unusual thing that, and Jesus touched him again, and he had see clearly. And and talking about addictions, I think it fits here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I know some people. I, I'm just going to use two people that I know in the church where I pastored for 28 years. There was a man who had alcohol addiction. God touched him. He was delivered completely. And when they would go, he'd say, no, I don't struggle with it anymore. But I had another friend who... Yes, uh, she felt like God touched her life, brought her out, but she said, I struggle with that, and God's given me uh, the desire to be clean, and I deal with it each and every day. So, Alex, when it comes to addiction, I think there is complete deliverance. I know that is. There's complete salvation in it, but sometimes that addiction or that sin, it has such a hold, we, we have to walk with it and have to be overcomers, don't we? Well, we, we really do. And, you know, there's two scriptures. One is uh, Mark chapter 8, and the other is John chapter 9 in both of these occasions where Jesus, you know, spat on the ground and with saliva made kind of a, a little clay mixture. And in the Mark 8, uh, 23 through 25, uh, the man said, I see men as trees walking. And, of course, a lot of people have preached on that. There are a couple of things. Why did Jesus do do like that? Well, uh, for for a couple of things, um, let me say, some commentators have said that in the ancient world they thought human saliva had medicinal properties. Um, but here's the thing, here's the Son of God, and his saliva brought sight to a blind person. So in a way, this miracle shows that Jesus is the great healer. The other thing is, though, that although I don't know that the witnesses there right there could have grasped it, the dirt off the ground, you know, the Bible says that we were made from the dust off the ground. Adam was made from the dust off the ground. Jesus is the second Adam, and with his, you know, uh, spittle, made this clay, rubbed it on the man's eyes, and the man could see. It's definitely a miracle showing Jesus' power over the physical elements. It's definitely a miracle showing that he's the healer. Uh, it's definitely a miracle showing that he is the Son of God, but it's in a way, although I think we see it clearly now, it's a miracle showing that Jesus is the second Adam, you know? Uh, and so it, it demonstrated his power and his identity. Okay, thank you, Jason. We're sorry we dropped you. We hope we gave you that information. Let's, uh, next, what we want to do is go to Kentucky and talk to Mary Ann. Mary Ann, welcome. Hi. Yes, um, go I right ahead. To... Okay. Alex, when you have been talking about God being able to heal you from your addiction, I can speak on that. I'm in recovery now, and whenever I found God, I asked him to take away the desire and he can do it at all, and he did. And as long as I've walked with him, I've been able to... Mary Ann, we're catching a lot of what you're saying, but we're having, I don't know the phones are difficulty, but she, you're in recovery, and uh, I know you failed. I, if you're like normal, and I hate to use the word normal, you probably had several tries and failure before you got the victory. Alex, uh, that's that's pretty common, isn't it? Well, it really is, and you know what? Uh, the Lord never gives up on us, and very often I think we give up on ourselves. And there are a lot of great successes in life that were preceded by a number of failures. Um, don't let the accuser of the brethren, Satan, tell you bad on yourself. I mean, we need to humble ourselves before God, confess our sin. But even if you have failed many times, God still loves you. You still have value to God. And remember how Jesus said that, we are supposed to give, forgive seven times 70. Well, if, if we humans are to forgive seven times 70, we know the Lord will forgive many more times than that. So, Bert, the reason I say that, maybe somebody even right now is listening, and 
you feel like you've stumbled so many times, maybe God doesn't even love you anymore. He really does, and God's not giving up on you. He, I, listen, uh, my life, uh, you know, I, I have not had a horrible addiction, but I, I remember when we started the ministry in our church here locally, I, I wasn't given to alcohol. I wasn't given to drugs or to tobacco. And I said, okay, Lord, I want to identify with these people who have, you know, they're just addicted. And I want to tell you, I gave up soft drinks for three years. I didn't drink. And listen, I was, I, my whole breakfast could be a Coca-Cola and uh, cheese crackers uh, or peanut butter and crackers. And so I gave up those Cokes, and I, I said, Lord, I want to identify. And I want to tell you, those of you that are in addiction and you're fighting that, God will help you. God will strengthen you. He may deliver you immediately, but he also may do it step by step. That's the reason Alcoholics Anonymous has 12 steps. And when it first started, I just want to tell you, it wasn't the God as you know him. It was the God of the Bible. And to make it acceptable to more people worldwide, they use that term. But listen, God does deliver. He does. And praise, thank you, Mary Ann. And we pray that God give you the victory. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to Jake. Jake, welcome. Hey, guys. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing well, brother. How about you? I'm doing all right. Good. Got a question? I certainly do, sir. I uh, was wondering if, if either one of you had a preference on which uh on when you when you study the prophets which uh which ones do you start with like do you, like do you start with like do you start with where the, where the bible starts with, with isaiah and jeremiah or do you start somewhere else okay good question jake the prophets are harder to do that way than uh you know, like when you read Genesis through the book of Deuteronomy, uh, it's given in order. And then when you read First Kings, and it's given in order. But when you come to the prophets, it's all mixed up with time. And uh, there are some books that do it chronologically or Bibles that put it there. Alex, is there an advantage to reading it chronologically, do you think? Um, you mean the way it's listed in the Bible? Well, you got it listed in the Bible, which is not chronological. Exactly. You know, from Isaiah on. But there are some Bibles, you know, like the chronological Bible that you yes. can get, and it will show where the prophets come in. Is there an advantage to that? I think? I think there is an advantage because you begin to learn really uh, how the the messages of the prophets runs uh, congruent with what was going on in the life of Israel, and you learn which prophets were contemporary with each other. Because, see, a lot of people don't don't realize that that a lot of the some of the prophets, you know, would have even known each other. And we just recently, not too long ago, went through Nehemiah, who who you know was a very influential contemporary of several of the other prophets. You know, I love Isaiah and Daniel. I mean, I read a lot in Isaiah and Daniel, but I love Habakkuk, and I've I've taught through Habakkuk, which is a brief little book, and I've taught through Amos. I guess uh, maybe I relate to him because uh, we were both farm boys, but if there's one of the, and it's one of the minor prophets, meaning shorter in length, but I really do love the book of Amos. It does, and he... He mixes no words. <laughs> I had a pastor friend. His wife said when my husband started preaching on Amos or from Amos, I knew we were about to go somewhere else because uh, <laughs> he, he was just, uh, Jake, read them. Uh, I think you can uh, Google that. I'm saying Google, so forgive me on that one. But you can find a chronological order. If you can't find a chronological Bible, uh, you can find it. And I think it would be helpful, just like the book of Acts, when you study the book of Acts, one of the greatest things you do is take a break and read the book that Paul wrote or James wrote, like at, at Acts 15, and it brings it to life. It really does. Thank you, Jake. Great call. Great question. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Dre. Dre, welcome. Uh, hey, how are y'all? Doing well today. Um, I've, I've been listening to y'all show for a while, and 
there's so many questions that I've wanted to ask you, Mr. Burton, Mr. Alex, and y'all just lead me so much and answer so many of the questions that I've had, but I didn't call the question today. Uh, I had a little girl born six days ago, and she has her oxygen level was dropping this morning and we found out she contracted COVID and she's had to been rushed to Jackson. And I just believe in the power of prayer and just want oh, wow. y'all please say a prayer for us and just to be able to touch a lot of people that maybe they'll pray and we just pray for the yes. best. What's, what's, what's her name? If you don't mind, if you can Lucy. give it. Lindy. Lucy. 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 Okay. We're going to pray. Let do this. All of you who are listening, write down Lucy. She's going to Jackson, Mississippi. This is in, and that's our where our, some of their best hospitals are here in Mississippi. And so we're praying for Lucy, Alex, and all of you that are there. Man, join us in this prayer. Let's cry out to God. Go ahead, Alex. Let's pray. And sir, thank you for sharing this, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, we come to you in prayer right now on behalf of Lucy, this little child born just six days ago or so. Father God, intervene and let this child recover. Give life, give health, give healing. Lord, uh, oxygen level down, uh, lung function not what it ought to be. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would strongly intervene and there would not be any lasting damage. Lord, um, just help this child and bless these parents. And I hear I hear the emotion in the voice of this this dad, comfort them, and Lord, use this as a time that that whole family will draw close close to you, close to each other. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray and I praise you for this young child, and we are asking for her to thrive and survive, and Lord, someday she'll grow up to be mighty for you. So we commit this situation, and Lord, when we are desperate as we now are, we simply cry out and say, Lord Jesus, help us. And we ask that in your strong, powerful name, we ask it, Lord. Amen. Father, I, I just I feel led to keep on praying and saying, God, give those doctors, technicians wisdom. You choose how to heal. And I pray, God, that you would uh, just give them wisdom, let them know uh, what to do. And, Father, we are believing in you. As Alex said, we're trusting in you. We wait upon you. I pray you would be with Dre, their family. Help them, Father. And there's others out there that are struggling with this virus. It is real. And with certain people and certain issues, it is such a drastic thing. And people are dying with it, Father. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we would call upon you, that we would correct our ways so that mm. you could respond to us in a way that would bring glory to yourself. We believe this, trust this, ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alex, Amen. Uh, I've talked to several people lately that they, hospital, talked to a physician today, and he was just talking about how real this is, that people are really uh, suffering. And so we, we need to keep that in mind, brother. So we want mm -hmm. you to know, you who are listening, that you have two guys here, Bird and Alex, that we desire God to intervene in your life, physical as well as spiritual, don't we, Alex? We really do. And and you know the Lord has those blessings for you. Salvation, blessing. Read Matthew six thirty three. Think on Matthew six thirty three and I know you'll find the, the presence and the blessing of God. And keep us in prayer and pray for truth for a new generation coming up. Pray for the fishbowl retreat coming up. Truth for Youth Bibles. Hey, Bert, aren't we just a big Bible study, a family of God, standing for the gospel together? That's what we are. Hey, let me give that number real quick for Truth for Youth Bibles, 800-733-4737, or go to truthforyouth.com. Order that Bible so you can give it away. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. 